um, it wasn't always like that. And it was just, honestly, it looked like a mess. And it felt pretty scary for us because quite a few of us said, look, what about our workloads? How are we going to commit to this? It was identify right from the word go what was something we all had in common. Because that's where opportunity and ideas come from. You're listening to a Core Education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibility. Kia ora, this is Rebecca Sweeney and I'm a consultant at Core Education and I work with Clusters. And I'm here today with Brian Price from Brains Intermediate and Jenny Washington from Lloyd Valve School. So Brian, Hedy Order, um, wonderful name and an awesome vision, but it wasn't always like that. So how did it all start? Yeah, that's a really good question, Rebecca, because it was probably in a time of real tension and stress in Christchurch. We'd been through the renewal program and some pretty horrific announcements and we were told, this is your cluster, you need to get together and if you get together and put a plan together by December, you'll get some property money and if you don't, you won't get any property money. So that was probably a fair indication of how the atmosphere was between the sector and the ministry at the time. So we were put into these particular clusters. We had a number of schools that were sort of suffering. We had one pending closure, so the relationships were really strained. Uh, There was a fair bit of blame and a fair bit of deficit thinking. So a few of us sort of got together and thought, well, we probably need to do something. Doing nothing, we'll get nothing and let's try and do something. So I invited a whole of the principals around and we had a sort of a template from the ministry so we decided, well I decided we weren't going to use that and we just had a big couple of big whiteboards and we decided to have what we called a blue sky thinking session. Awesome. And we invited along Matt Bateman who was at Burnside who was a school that was looking like it was going to close and they had done some bits and pieces and around getting their cluster up and running. So he was sort of a bit of a catalyst the principals turned up. We had to have some alcohol and some cheese because that was important uh, and some wine and we, we started having a bit of a discussion and so I had some headings up there which was around what could be possible if we worked together, uh, what could we do, You know, is there any benefit to this, is it worth even thinking about and we sort of decided yeah it probably was and we had some ideas around what was some blue sky stuff and and the original thing was we were known as the uh, Roydvale cluster and I sort of put it on the table that gosh you know it probably doesn't need to be known as the Roydvale cluster and if we're doing this stealth work by working with ourselves without the ministry let's uh, let's do something a bit different so I mooted a few little ideas and Hedy Ora is uh, she's the guardian of the springs and around the northwest area and so we had an option, we had a few options. We had the Pawakai, which is the big harsed eagle that used to soar around. We thought maybe the analogy would be quite good, but we all decided on the on Hedy Order. Sounds really great. The spring's sort of emerging out through the area and moving its way through into the into the high schools, gathering people on the way. It had a nice uh, a nice sort of analogy. <laughs> and um, contacted the ministry, said, do we have to be known as the Roydrail Cluster? They came back to me a few weeks later and said, no, actually you don't. So we decided on that. We decided on a Whakatoki at that particular stage. And I think one of the most crucial things was we decided to pen a paragraph that talked about our identity. What was our identity? And that was a an inclusive tool to help bring everybody in together, like the, you know, the high school through to the early childhood, primary and intermediate. And what that did was identify right from the word go what was something we all had in common. So that 
from that session, it was quite a powerful session. We had a whole lot of ideas just thrown up on the whiteboard. You would have been proud of me, Rebecca. It was mm -hmm. your style. And it was just, honestly, it looked like a mess. But I managed to pull a whole lot of stuff together and started looking at some commonalities. And we created a, a mates agreement there, which was the mutually agreed team expectations around the fact that we have been competitive. What could we do? Collaborative the fact that we were going to commit, even at this early stage, to having something in our charters and that we were solution-focused. So we started having some really cool meetings and discussions about what could be possible. And I think you saw the original plan, which was full of a whole lot of ideas around, let's get our Sencos together, let's do some neat stuff around resources, let's do some stuff around ICT. A lot of that first-order easy stuff. Mm. So we got that first order easy stuff up and running before we were able to get to the stage where we wanted more challenge, which was where you entered in. So we actually had quite a framework. We'd had quite a few sessions. We had time where we put our boards together, got our board chairs together. That was awkward, didn't work. We actually made to get some ground in and then we had some distractors, some really good challenges that actually helped unite us and give us a bit more purpose and probably tested the well, at that stage, the vision of the Hedy Order Cluster, which was all around our identity and our whakatoki. So we've been playing in the sandpit a fair time before we were with you. By the time you arrived, we had had the final decision on the school within our cluster, and that was, it was difficult, but it was what it was, and we had no control over that. We originally looked at what did we have control over. We didn't have control over property. So let's not focus on that. No. We didn't have control over over what the ministry thinking was because there's this great conspiracy out there and this great blueprint of what they actually really wanted us to do. We had no control over that. Let's have, take what we had control over, which was learning. Mm. And in fact, when you take property out, when you take a whole lot of funding out, like our five-way Aegon, we couldn't do a lot. So that's what could we do together. And there's that catchphrase that out of, crisis comes creativity and we started thinking well if we did work together we could possibly help each other because we were in a time of challenge we were in a time of real difficulty within Christchurch we could either sit there and sulk mm. look out the window and blame other people or we could turn around look in the wind in the mirror and start thinking about what could be possible and that whole thing was what could be possible yeah. and that was great and so we worked really well together for a little while but we needed outside, we needed facilitation, we needed challenge, we needed someone to come in and to help guide us. And uh, that's where, where you came in. Mm. Tell me a little bit more as well about the work that you did with Raywin and when you went on to the Marae. Yeah, there were some really savvy things that took place and real big indicators that helped cement us together. And one of it was around getting Raywin Tiffany Clark to do a cultural audit or analysis of all the schools. This was probably a real turning point for us because I remember sitting there originally with the ministry and negotiating the actual contract because it was the first time she'd sort of done this particular work and going, whoa. So, you know, her ability to, you know, to look at our schools through our websites, through our aero reviews, through our curriculum documentation, through our charters, before she even came onto the schools, made us all shift. And honestly, if you don't get people principles shifting, talks a lot around dissidents and, and causing yeah, yeah um, zones of uncomfortableness because that's where opportunity and ideas come from. So she went around us all and ran that particular process through everyone, through the high school, through the intermediate, the primary and the early childhood. And so it became a really big document. 
But what really gave it life was when we sat out at Tuahiwi, and it was the first time in all of my educational career where we sat with the mana whenua, we sat with the Ministry of Education, we sat with early childhood, we sat with primary, intermediate, secondary and facilitators, and we had great sharing, we had great information sharing, and the whole thing was around what's possible. And we created the Potama. Everyone felt empowered, everyone felt included, and it sort of cemented, it gave us a sort of a glue that, and, and a commonality. And it was actually looking at what we were doing and how we could move forward as opposed to what we weren't doing and what needed to be done. We, we came out with the solutions ourselves. It was very savvy. It was very clever. You had a big role to play in around knitting that together through your skills of, of, of facilitation, which was necessary because we were all bringing it from different lenses. But it was a magnificent example of what cooperation, moving to collaboration, really looks like. And you've got to sit around together you've got to have difficult conversations you've got to share information that's real you've got to take it on the chin or bits and pieces but you've got to celebrate the fact that you're not isolated and we didn't walk away from there going back to our individual schools we walked away as a group we walked away together and we keep revisiting it and kept monitoring and coming out with solutions together. It's the power of the connectedness between the, 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 the six schools and the early childhood all sharing what they're doing and we're all celebrating the successes together. So it actually becomes a real strengths model and a real focus on, on celebration. And that's what helps knit everything together is that we don't come together with problems. We come together with what we're doing and moving forward and reflecting on those particular patama that we had. So those things like the time out at the Marae are indicators of success for us and a measure of how we're going. It's uh, totally awesome and was a really moving, moving experience for me as a leader and I think for the cluster overall. As a facilitator, I learned heaps that day. The Pautama planning tool, I thought was a very simple and effective way to bring everyone together because what we did is we started with timatanga, like where are we currently at with cultural responsiveness and the areas that were thrown into into light or relief um, through the audit process. And then what I liked about that tool was as you moved up the staircase, you were looking at what Raywin called the space of opportunity, mm. like you say, Brian, and it's, it's actually looking forward into the future and identifying what we can do together. So what are we actually prepared to collaborate on, which is where that dissonance comes in and, and you start working out where you're prepared to work together and where maybe you, you don't agree, where your beliefs don't align. So it's important mm. to be clear about both. And yeah. that's where that future focus stuff really becomes evident. And once again, if I come right back to the fact that it's not about what's Brian doing at Breen's towards this Potama, it's what Brian with the Heriota cluster is doing to advance the, the strength of the whole cluster. And that's, that's the strength of, and that's why our, our cultural audit within the Heriota group is so strong. It comes back to that Potama all the time. It's not a dead document, it's alive. And we're actually holding each other accountable to that document in a nice way but in a professional way and in a way that benefits everyone. I remember sitting at a meeting at Burnside High School and uh, getting your proposal, Rebecca, from to work with us as a future-focused facilitator. And the proposal, you know, all the principals were looking at it, all the leaders within their schools, and 
we we just wondered how we could possibly manage doing what we were currently doing as well as delving into an inquiry ourselves. We did have a lot of discussions, can we actually manage this? But I think that was a key turning point for the cluster because we had gone through a process, it's a little bit like when you're moving leaders into the space where they inquire instead of focusing on the systems thing. So we'd spent quite a bit of time focusing on systems and events and what was going to happen and now we were moving into the phase of that inquiring phase and it felt pretty scary for us because quite a few of us said, look, what about our workloads? How are we going to commit to this? And it we did have quite a discussion and I remember then we came back to you and said actually we'd like to hear more about this because we didn't want to be it to be an added on and I think that's been one of the greatest things because it's it hasn't been an add-on it's grown and developed the leaders and we have been involved in our own future focused inquiry as a team. You've been listening to a core education podcast pushing the boundaries of educational possibility.